listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Well, with all of the Christmas celebrations, activities, and musicals, I have not afforded myself the opportunity in our scheduling to preach a sermon series as I am accustomed to. Uh, so today I have this, this standalone sermon, and this is not always the, the, the direction I like to go. For those that have just completed my ministry development program, they know what I'm talking about. I just I seem to thrive better in a sermon series uh, for me personally in my preparation. When I say that I'm not comfortable, don't, don't misunderstand me. Once I'm here, I'm fine, okay? So I, don't, I, don't, I don't need anybody in here being like, oh, bless. You know, if it's bad, it's, it's not because I'm uncomfortable. It's just bad. Um, no, I, I need you to, to understand that in my preparation, I prefer being in a sermon series. But I am excited about today in this standalone sermon because I've been working on this one for a few weeks. And I'm excited to share it with you. And if you're not excited to hear it as a Christmas gift to me, act like you are. And, uh, and we'll get through it together, and it's standalone. So once the subject is done, it's done. It's over. You don't have to come back next week and listen to part two. Okay? So, so I'm calling this message Christmas Cliché. Christmas Cliché. And, and we're all familiar with Christmas Clichés, right? Uh, if you stop believing, you stop receiving. receiving. That's one we practiced in our home with our kids. We always told them, if you stop believing, you stop receiving. I like this one. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Buddy the Elf. Yeah. This is a new one for me. It, it's a little darker than the other ones. Not near as much Christmas joy on it, but, but it's still good. Don't get your tinsel in a tangle. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to use it. It's good. And then there are the spiritual ones that you can, you can count on. You know you're going to hear these. Um, and, and listen, just because they are cliche doesn't, doesn't mean they're not true. Okay, They're still true. I mean, like this one. This one is, is like figuratively and literally true. You can't spell Christmas without Christ. I mean, you know that's right. right? I mean, you can't spell Christmas without Christ. It's true, right? It's true. And, and, and I heard this one even this morning. Someone said this one. Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah, yeah. That's a Christmas cliche. But the one that I really want to dive into today is the, Chris, the Christmas cliche. Wise men still seek him. Wise men still seek him. That's really what I'm talking about today. Wise men still seek him, but I've just got too much pride to let myself title the message that way. So just bear with me. It's, it's, it's a pride issue. I'm dealing with it. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. But wise men still seek him. Today we're going to take a close look at the visitation of the wise men with the child Jesus. And notice that I did say child. This is the part of the year, every year, where I mess up your nativity scenes. I do, I do. I just, matter of fact, I'm just going to mess up Christmas for you this year. You ready? He was not a baby when the wise men finally arrived to him. They didn't visit him at a stable like the shepherds did. Jesus was around two years old when they finally found him. And traditionally, we say that there were three wise men because they brought three gifts. The first one gave him gold. The second one offered him frankincense. And the third one said, wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> I'll be here all week. 
honestly, church, we don't know how many wise men there, there were. The, the Bible does not spell that out for us. So we don't know. It could have been two. It could have been three. It could have been 30. We don't know how many traveled to see him. Uh, and, and one could have brought one gift and another one could have brought two gifts. And then the third one could have been, you know, like stingy and tightwad and, and didn't buy him anything for his birthday. You know, I don't know. Scripture does not reveal to us how many wise men there were. The Christmas story is found in the gospel according to Matthew and the gospel according to Luke. Today we're going to be reading from the gospel according to Matthew. And Mark and John, they don't even mention the birth of Jesus. Now John does go back before the birth of Jesus. He goes back into eternity and, and, and he mentions that he was even before, you know, that, that he has always been. He mentions that, but he doesn't mention anything about the earthly birth of, of Jesus Matthew does not give us any details about his birth. We like to think that the Christmas story comes from the book of Matthew uh, and Luke, but Matthew tells us about Joseph's encounter with the angel and that that Joseph did not um, consummate the marriage until after baby Jesus was born and that they named him Jesus. That's what he tells us. And then Matthew fast-forwards two years, and he tells us about this visitation from the wise men. And so I want to take this event from the, past, from, from the pages of, of biblical history, and I want to create this metaphor for our lives, specifically our journey to Christ, how we find Christ. And so if you will, church, just, just listen close. Let the word of God minister to you today, because it has so ministered to me, and I'm excited to share this. When you think about that scene, though, our traditional nativity scene when you think about Christmas that first Christmas it made sense for Mary and Joseph to be there I mean they're the parents they're the earthly parents so it makes sense for them to be there having the angels there makes sense because they're the messengers of God and then having the the shepherds there makes sense because they're the invited guests of the angels plus they were tending their sheep in fields nearby so they're close to Bethlehem and so it makes sense for them to be there but Everybody in that scene makes sense, but when you, when you have the, the, the Christmas story the way that we know it, um, everybody, makes sense, everybody makes sense except for the wise men. Like, why were the wise men there? What, were, what was the purpose of them being there? Why would God have them show up two years after the birth of Jesus? And I can assure you of this, church, that, that every scripture has purpose, Every scripture, every word, every syllable in the word of God, it, it has purpose. It has a destination. It has something that God wants it to accomplish in our lives. But, but I can assure you of this too, church, that every step that we take through this thing called life, every move that we make, I promise you that it has purpose. Everything that we go through, it has purpose. God doesn't lead us down this path just aimlessly. Whatever you are going through right now, wherever you have been and wherever you are going, I can assure you there is a purpose and there is a plan because the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And so I know that, that it has a purpose, and I know that these words coming off these pages, they serve purpose for us. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. If you will, just leave your Bible or your digital device open, because I'm going to be going back and kind of dissecting this a little bit today. So Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying... 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. When I think about the Christmas story, I, I, I understand that the shepherds didn't need a star. The shepherds didn't need a star. They didn't study the heavens. The heavens were useless to them, and they were uneducated men. They didn't know what any of that could mean. So God sent them an angelic host in order to get their attention. He knew that they would not ignore an angelic host singing there that night on a hillside while they were tending their flocks. And so God sends, sends angels to declaring the birth of, of, of his son. Now, one of the subjects that all wise men studied in school was how to read the stars. I need you to stay with me on this. I believe in astronomy. Okay? If you're wondering where I'm at, I believe in astronomy, but I do not put any trust in astrology. I don't even know what my sign is. It doesn't matter what my sign is. Don't come to me with your little you know, cutout and say, here, this is for you. I don't, want, I don't want any of that. Okay, Astrology is not my thing. It's not my gig. shouldn't be yours, but, but, but more power to you. you know, I don't want it. Don't put any trust in it at all. However, in that day and age, astronomy and astrology were one. They didn't separate them. When they studied the, the, the stars, they, they put faith and trust in the consistency of the way the planets and the stars moved. And, and yet they also put trust in, in symbolism and, and, and what those stars and those constellations and, and what all of that could mean. The wise men believed that the cosmos communicated to them by means of the star alignments and the configurations. And according to their thinking, people and nations were associated with certain stars and certain constellations. And, and in, in their minds, major world events were dictated through the stars. And so in their search for the meaning of life, God got all in their world of astrology. Now, I'm not telling you that God is behind astrology. Matter of fact, I'm pretty certain he's not. But I can tell you this. God reserves the right at any moment to get all in your world, no matter how ungodly it might be. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You have a drunk that's sitting at a bar. And as he's sitting there, downing that, 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 that liquor, and one shot after another, 
the bartender. God uses that bartender to say something to him that sparks back to the memories of his childhood and going to church with his grandmother, his praying grandmother. And all of a sudden, it sobers him up in that moment, and he never touches the bottle again. That's what I'm talking about, church, that God will get all in the foolish things of this world sometimes just to get our attention. And I believe that, that he got all in the world of astrology just to get the attention of some wise men that were traveling to find a king. We are fairly certain that these wise men traveled from the ancient region of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, east of Israel. It is highly unlikely that they were three kings from the Orient or East Asia, as the song suggests. I'm just messing it up for you, right? Merry Christmas to you as you sing your blasphemous songs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it, it makes a lot more sense for them to be from Babylon. Because what you have to realize, church, is that five to six hundred years earlier, there was a young man by the name of Daniel that was taken captive in Jerusalem and, and, and taken to Babylon where they, they, they captured the, the, the best-looking young men and the smartest young men to reprogram them, and, and they took them to Babylon to, to train them there. And, and it was there in Babylon where Daniel begins climbing the ranks. He, he, he finds favor with the rulers, and, and he begins climbing the ranks and, and history tells us that, that Daniel had a connection with these wise men. You see, wise men were not first mentioned in Matthew chapter 2. No, you can go all the way back to Daniel chapter 2, 600 years earlier, and you can find the mention of wise men. Listen to what it says. Verse 48. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel was put in charge of all of the wise men of Babylon. Now, can you imagine what Daniel taught these wise men? You've got this Jew, this Hebrew, this Israelite. He is smart, he is wise, and he has found favor in, in his captivity and now he is over Babylon, and, and he's put in charge of all of the wise men of Babylon, and, and they are a captive audience for him to, to share. And, and the information that he gave to them, it would be passed on to the next generation of wise men, and the next generation of wise men, and the next generation of wise men. Maybe Daniel taught them something like, like 2 Samuel chapter 7, where it tells us that, that this baby would be an heir to the throne of King David. Maybe he pointed them back to that. Or, or maybe he took them back to Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17 that says, I see him but not now. This is prophetic. I see him but not now. I behold him but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. These men knew exactly what they were looking for and they go to Israel. The wise men go to Israel and particularly they go to Jerusalem which is the capital city because who holds a scepter? A king. And they're looking for a king. So they go to the capital city of Jerusalem looking for that king. A few years ago, I joked one Sunday about I, I wanted a royal title before my name. Some of you will remember this. And there was a family in our church that went online and they purchased me this packet. 
49.95. I have a framed certificate, a coat of arms, and a letter that states that I am a Lord. You are in the presence of Lordship. The letter stated this. Congratulations, Lord Rocky McKinley. This has got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Congratulations, Lord Rocky McKinley. A whole new world, and here's the key word, may. They should have like made it bold, underlined it. A whole new world, may, have just opened for you. From being offered the best seats and restaurants to airline upgrades and top-notch service wherever you go, you can now partake in life's finer things and enjoy all the perks traditionally reserved for high society. <laughs> it went on to say this, and I love this. You have the legitimate right to assume the honorific title. <laughs> honorific. Has anyone ever heard that word before? I'd never heard it until I read the letter. And if it's not real, don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Deanna, I don't want to know. It's got to be a real word, right? It's a real word? Tell me it's a real word. It's a real word. You have the legitimate right to assume the honorific title, Lord Rocky McKinley of Hugon Manor. Yes, I have a manor. And they dedicated a six-by-six piece of land in my honor. I don't own it. I can't do anything with it. There's coordinates. If I ever go there, I can find it in the middle of this forest. But it, it's in honor of me, Lord Rocky McKinley. Would you like to kiss my ring? We know there's only one Lord here, amen? It's all in fun. It's all in joking. There's only one Lord here. And I can assure you, he didn't pay a price of $49.95 for the title that he holds. He paid a price and he gave his life because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? There's something interesting in their search for Jesus that, that I believe we have to learn from today. It is probably the reason why they are included in this moment of history. Why God chose to use them. And what we would refer to as our Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Just stay with me. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and here it is, and all Jerusalem with him. Everybody in Jerusalem hears about this and everybody loses their mind. They get on their Twitter pages. They blow social media up. They're calling each other. Can you believe this? There's a, there, there's a baby king being born. That, that's what these guys are claiming. And everyone is losing their minds in Jerusalem. This conversation as far as we know, this, this is the only recorded words of these wise men. What they say to, to King Herod, that's the only words that we know that they said. We, we don't know what they said when they got to Mary and Joseph. The Bible says actually that they got there and they saw the child with his mother is what, what it says. And we don't know what they said, you know, when they show up with their very impractical gifts for a baby. I mean, who, who gives a baby gold, frankincense, and myrrh? 
But that's what they showed up with. That's what they, that was their best. That's what they brought to give to him. So they have this information. They know that a king is being born. A king is being born in Israel. They know that. They get to Jerusalem, but that's all the information that they have. King Herod, we're here. We've traveled from the east. There is a king being born in your nation. We've been following this star. We've been studying this for two years. And we're telling you, a king has been born in Israel. And he's like, well, where is he? And that's all the information they have. That's it. And King Herod then summons the great Bible scholars of that day. He brings them in to try and find some answers. And and, and this is how it goes down. Verse 4, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people... He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And church, this is where I have often misunderstood what really happened. Up until just a couple of weeks ago, I never realized what it was actually saying. I've always misinterpreted what actually happened in this moment. Verse 5, they, somebody say they. They told him, who? I always thought it was the wise men. No, not at all. It was the chief priests and the scribes because the wise men didn't know where he was at beyond Israel. They showed up in Jerusalem where a king should be at the capital. That's all they know. He summons together all the chief uh, priests and the scribes. And it says they, the chief priests and the scribes, told him. And then they reference uh, um, uh, Micah uh, chapter 5 and verse 2. In Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophet. And here's what they base it on. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Those scholars, they are the ones that pointed the wise men towards Bethlehem. That was information that they didn't have. This was brand new knowledge to them. They had never heard this before. Information that they they didn't have because as, as much as Daniel knew about the written word of God, Daniel didn't have it all. He didn't have what we have. He didn't have what they had in the New Testament. Daniel would have taught the wise men of Babylon. He would have taught them the Torah, the law, the first five books of the Bible for certain. Maybe, maybe he would have dove into the scrolls of some of the history. Maybe, maybe the kings and the chronicles. He would have dove into that a little bit and, and shared some of that information. But in this moment, standing before a jealous and corrupt King Herod, these wise men, they hear some new information for the first time. And sometimes, church, sometimes we just need some new information. That's what we need. And, 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 and we're going and we're buying books. And, and listen, I read. I read a lot. But, but you can buy as many books as you want to. But it's never going to, to compare to the written word of God. Because I can tell you, every time I open this book, every time I open its pages, I begin to realize just how alive this really is. I'm telling you, blood flows through this book. This book right here, it has the answers to all of life's problems. It, has, it, it, it is a lamp unto my feet. It is a guide unto my path. I'm telling you, church, if we will ever look at this and we realize how important this is for our lives, we would start to put more emphasis on the Word of God. Sometimes we just need that that new revelation. Every time I read it, God reveals something new to me. It's a rhema word. It's fresh anointing. It's a fresh word that God brings forth. 
And that day they heard something they had never heard before. They heard some information, a prophecy that no one had ever shared with them, that the king of the Jews is being born, yes, in Israel, but in this small little obscure village of Bethlehem located just six miles from Jerusalem. You can be so close to God, but yet be so far away. Six miles. Without the written word of God, they would have never found Jesus. The star led them to Jerusalem, but the word, the word led them to Jesus. The world tells us, the world tells us that there is a God. The world tells us that all roads lead to heaven. That whatever God you choose to worship, the world will agree that there is a God. But the word tells us who he is. This solidifies it. This says he is Jesus Christ, the son of God. The world recognizes a higher power, but the word says that he is the most high. 600 years earlier, Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. The most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. And the wise men knew this, and they wanted to meet the most high, and the word of God is what got them there. You see, you need the word of God to see Jesus. You can't see Jesus without the word. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me just get on my soapbox just for a moment. Just listen to me, and if you don't like it, get over it. Um, two years ago, something happened that, that has, has changed the landscape of our world. Whether you agree that, that it, it was real or not, it doesn't matter. It changed the world. And what happened is for 10 weeks here and in other parts of the country and even in other parts of the world, they're still shut down. But for 10 weeks here for us, we got really comfortable sitting at home watching church on TV. And I know what really happened. You watched for about five of those weeks and then you were just like, whenever we get back together, I'll, I'll start listening again. And the world got really, really comfortable sitting at home watching church on TV. I know, I know this is, some of you, you're, you're just grin and bear it, just grin and bear it. It's the reason why the word says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It says that we should come together and encourage one another even so more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. We're not supposed to meet less. We're supposed to gather together more the closer we get to the coming of Christ. I tell you this because my prayer for us as a church in 2022 is that we become more hungry for the word of God than we've ever been before. I want us to... To, to starve for this. I want us to crave this. I want us to consume this. Because I know this. The more that I read this, the more it reads me. 
And, and the more that I read it, the more I realize that I am, I am useless without it. That my, my life is spiraling out of control without the written word of God. Church, we've got to become more hungry for this because this is where it's at. This is what's going to make the difference for us. And here's what scares me. In this story, everybody involved had the same amount of information. They all knew a baby had been born in, in Israel. They all eventually found out that a baby had been born in Bethlehem. They all knew, according to prophecy, that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. They had this information. And they all did something different with it. Herod knew this information. And he tried to kill baby Jesus. It was a threat to his way of life, a threat to his throne. And so he orders that all children two years old and under in that region be murdered, be killed, aborted. The scribes knew, and they just ignored it. Maybe they were just too, too busy for this disruption, or, or maybe they were scared of their deranged leader. Maybe that's what it was. James, the brother of Jesus, who would later become a, a, after the resurrection of Christ. He didn't believe before, but, but James, the brother of Jesus, believed after his resurrection. He said this about those kinds of people. He said they're hearers of the word, but they're not doers of the word. But the wise men had this information. And they allowed the written word of God to lead them to the child Jesus. And they offered their gifts and they worshipped him there. There was a woman who was wanting to impress her pastor. There was a scheduled visit. He was coming over to their house. And when he got to their house, she looked at her little girl and she said, Honey, go get the book that mommy loves to read so much. The little girl went to the back of the house and she came back and she was carrying the People magazine, laid it down. Matthew 24 and 35, this is good. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Church, heaven and everything that you see here, it will pass away. It's all going. Everything you own, it's go you can't take it with you, right? You can't hook a U-Haul up to the hearse. You can't take any of it with you. It's all going to pass away, but the one thing you can depend on is the word of God. It will remain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, is what he said. Armies have burned it. Governments have forbidden it. Humanists have tried to explain it away. Evolutionists have tried to discredit it. Cultists have tried to distort it. Satan has tried to steal it. Revolutionists have tried to overthrow it. Pagans have tried to replace it. Theorists have tried to twist it. Liberal theologists have tried to water it down. Legalistic mindsets, they have restricted it. Judges have outlawed it. Lawyers have deliberated it. Kings have ruled against it. But in spite of all of their efforts, this book still remains the best-selling book of the year. The Bible, 
The Bible changes more lives than clinical psychiatry. The Bible pronounces more judgments than the judicial system. The Bible still successfully prophesies the rise and the fall of governments and kings. The Bible still holds the secrets to the universe. The Bible still holds the true explanation of the existence of humanity. This Bible, it's more than a book. It is a living book, church, and it is bread to the hungry. It is light to those in darkness. It is strength to the weakness. It is hope to those in despair. It is comfort to the weary. It is a comfort to those who are lost. It is a companion to the lonely. And it is, it is an answer to the confused. And it's not going anywhere. You can put your faith in politicians, and some of you have. That's the problem. They're going to die. Their platforms are going to die. Their agendas are going to fall away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. You have put your faith in humanity. You have put your faith in the stock market. You have put your faith in trying to climb the corporate ladder. And all of that is going to fail at some point. But when I build my life on the foundation of this book... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Why? 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 How, how does this happen? It's because he's the word. When you read this, you're just not reading ink from, on a page, church. Every word, every syllable, every time you read it, you're partaking of Jesus. John told us this in John 1 and 1. John said, I, I, don't, I don't want to get bored with the Christmas story. He said, let me tell you what happened before it. He said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was the, in the beginning with God. Jesus is the Word. And by the way, it's capitalized all through that. He is the Word. Jesus is the Word. That's the reason why it will last. They've tried to kill him. But the word rose again. He is the word. And I can assure you that everything in your life, everything, this is so cliche. It's so cliche, but it's true. There is not one problem that you will go through in life that the word of God does not have the answer for. You've tried it. You've tried your horoscopes. They don't, they don't work. You've tried fortune cookies. Every time you go to P.F. Chang's, you can't wait to get your fortune cookie. It's ludicrous, right? All of your self-help books, self-help books. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Church, when will we learn that this truly is all we need? And there's an attack against it. They're trying to discredit this. And every time they do the archaeological digs, all they do is they prove it to become more and more true. Because it is true. 
It is the Word of God. And Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.